Hey everyone, uh, we're the Petties. Uh, this is my lovely wife, Kate, uh, and we met each other at UT Dallas in 2010. Uh, we dated for four years, and we married in the spring of 2015, so we've been married seven years. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, we've got some, some wedding photos up here, uh, all two of them. Uh, that was regret number one in marriage. Uh, we went cheap on the photographer, so these are the two wedding photos, so it's great. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, I wish we could say that uh, everything has been smooth sailing for us uh, in marriage, uh, but it definitely hasn't been. So I grew up in McKinney, uh, just north of here. Uh, as a kid, I was much more sensitive uh, than the other boys. Uh, I preferred art and nature instead of soccer and baseball. Uh, and I knew I was different, uh, and this led to the start of a deep insecurity. To make matters worse, I was exposed to pornography on the, uh, play, uh, on the playground at age 10, which kicked off a 20-year addiction with lust, masturbation, and pursuing sexual relationships. From a young age, my identity quickly became tied up in girls and what they thought of me. And I grew up in a single-parent atheist home with two brothers and a sister. Uh, my dad died when I was six, so growing up, I had no idea of what a marriage should be or what it meant to follow Christ. Uh, my mom was everything to me. She was loving and just the example of the strong woman that I strive to be. I was living for myself and had no boundaries. I was prideful, self-reliant, controlling, arrogant, and I brought all of those things into my marriage. Uh, security and consistency were big motivators for me in life. I came to know Christ in college, uh, but not much changed in terms of my thoughts or how I lived my life. We had friends who got married before us, and I remember them telling us, oh, my first year of marriage was the absolute best. And I was just, I remember being annoyed and exasperated because that was just not the case for us. Yeah. Uh, so when I was 15, I accepted, uh, let's get these fixed real quick. There we go. Uh, <laughs> when I was 15, I accepted Christ as my savior, uh, but my life didn't reflect any sort of consistent relationship where I was following and obeying Jesus. My need to be wanted and validated by girls continued to grow, and I soon started cheating in any relationship that I was in. This pattern followed me throughout college where a fraternity environment fueled by alcohol and drugs wreaked havoc. I quit my fraternity my senior year with the hopes of improving my grades and getting a job after school, uh, and this is when Kate and I started dating. Uh, fast forward to two years in a marriage, I was in a job I hated and ended up leaving with the goal of us starting our own business. Month after month, I grew increasingly frustrated as our plan started to falter. I didn't realize it at the time, but my identity was grounded in my career and I was exceptionally insecure with a lack of success. Out of this, three things happened. First, I started drinking on a daily basis, often when Kate was off at work. Quickly, quickly following that, uh, pornography became a multi-hour, multi-times-a-day obsession where I would escape from my insecurity. And third, I became so frustrated with the progress on a business that it took 90,000 of our savings and put it into a high-risk asset, all without telling Kate. Aside from concealing this from Kate, which is lying, uh, that investment quickly ballooned to over a million dollars in six short months. I thought, wow, I've made it. I'm 26 and secured the million-dollar dream. Uh, what a delusion. Uh, that uh, what I thought would have brought a ton of peace and comfort actually brought an exceptional amount of anxiety, greed, and arrogance. That asset was highly volatile, volatile and I started to experience uh, suicidal <coughs> thoughts. Watching um, the dramatic up and down swings of our bank account. <coughs> I knew I was out of control and needed help. 
that's when I started Regeneration, which is Reengage's uh, sister ministry that focuses on care and recovery. Uh, thank God, uh, because that million dollars uh, disappeared just as fast as it was gained. Uh, Proverbs 13, 11 says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle. Uh, God's not a liar. Uh, without the community of my region group, I don't want to think about where I would have spiraled. Uh, during that year that I was in region, I was focused on fixing my porn problem, which at face value sounds fine, uh, but that's the problem. God has to heal that. Uh, and so it wasn't too many months later that I found myself running back to pornography again as a coping mechanism. Uh, our problems came to a head during a trip to Austin, uh, where I ended up downloading a dating app late at night, matching with a girl, and then proceeding to engage in sexually explicit conversation and exchanging photos. I confessed to Kate two weeks later, uh, but continued to struggle with this pattern off and on for months. We fought constantly, and I couldn't understand why I married this person. We would slam doors, I'd run out of the house screaming at him, uh, he'd get in my face like trying to provoke me by begging me to hit him. Um, we were just a complete mess. Uh, but he had the porn problem, and that was the source of our problems, right? But here I am, the sole financial earner of our very new marriage. He's reaching out to multiple women outside of our marriage, and he's lying to me about the money that I earned and putting all of our savings into something he didn't even tell me about. If he didn't do all that, then we'd have a great marriage. I deserve better. That's the lie that I kept telling myself, that I was without sin, and he is objectively the only one in the wrong. What I didn't fully grasp was my own issues I would constantly bring into our arguments. I was riddled with pride and constantly thought that I was the better spouse. I told David we need to start re-engage, and I'd be lying if I said my intention was to fix us. Um, I really thought I was coming into this to fix David. So we showed up, and I remember rating our marriage a one at the end of the night. By the time we got into a closed group, two things had happened. One, our first closed group meeting was the day before everything shut down due to COVID. And then two, on the way into closed group, I got a call from my mom letting me know she had just got diagnosed with cancer. I was devastated. And I thought the world was completely falling apart around me. You're doing great. <laughs> I had no sense of stability in my life. I was my mom's daily caretaker, and that meant frequently driving her to Houston for her appointments and leaving my very fragile marriage behind for days at a time. Everything was out of my control. My codependency had me a complete nervous wreck because I couldn't just leave David to his own devices while I was gone for extended periods of time. I actually prayed that God would take David out of my life so I wouldn't have to feel the guilt of defeat and the failure of a divorce. With the pandemic and my mom's cancer, we were completely homebound in quarantine. We couldn't see anyone since so much uh, was unknown and she was in two compromised groups, uh, age and cancer. We saw no one during that time, just each other and my mom. So during this time, I held nothing back. He couldn't run, I couldn't run. We were forced to face our problems. It was painful, and I really did not expect re-engage to do much. However, I was at my wit's end and just willing to try anything. We had to grow into it, uh, but we started identifying our problems in our marriage. I recognized how much James 1.19 plays a role in my day-to-day -day life. Uh, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, 
slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I didn't fully grasp how angry I was, how quarrelsome I was towards David. I was blind to my own faults, blind to how much I disrespected him with my words, uh, my body language, um, and my thoughts about him. God tells us in Ephesians 5.33, men, love your wives, and wives, respect your husbands, because this isn't what comes naturally to us in moments of frustration or when we least deserve it. When I stopped focusing on what David did wrong and started focusing on how I could better respect and serve him is when my heart started to soften towards him. He didn't deserve it, uh, just like we don't deserve God's grace, but I knew something had to change. Yeah. I still remember our first night in Reengage. Uh, I was terrified. Um, I knew we needed help, but I didn't want to be vulnerable with others. Um, I'm so glad we stuck with it, though. It was about halfway through Reengage that we started to see transformation in our marriage and in our relationships with the Lord. Isaiah 1:18 says, "Come now, let us reason together," says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Despite the trouble and heartache that COVID brought for many, we're thankful for how God used it as an incubator to slow us down and force, force us to focus on our relationship with him and with each other. I was furloughed from my job, and Kate started working from home, and that left us stuck having to face and process each other's pain. Daily, we had to reconcile with each other and work through our problems in real time. One of the key things we uncovered is how we are wired in completely different ways. Um, I'm way more extroverted than Kate. Uh, I'm always uh, way more of a feeler and kind of an external processor. Uh, Kate, on the other hand, is more guarded and kind of an internal processor. Uh, and this forced us to see eye to eye and to gain a mutual understanding for each other. During Reengage, we also uncovered a few nuggets of wisdom uh, we now live by. Uh, one is overcommitment. Uh, so we do not do well with back-to-back -back social engagements. I don't know if anyone else is like that, uh, but I'm a little bit of a social butterfly and I say yes to pretty much everything. And so uh, I will book up every moment of our weeks and weekends and I leave little room for re rest or time for us to connect in our relationship. And I am not wired that way. Uh, being an introvert, I have what we affectionately call a tiny gas tank. And back-to-back -back engagements leave me on empty. I get easily overwhelmed and frustrated without sufficient time to recharge and process by myself, and that fuels my anger and resentments towards David. This seems so straightforward, uh, but it was a critical friction point that we both had to take ground on to understand and to see each other eye to eye. Two, intentional connection. Uh, tying to kind of the first point, we learned we need to take the time to intentionally connect with one another in a meaningful way. I don't tend to just open up and share my feelings, so having an environment dedicated to just that helps to create uh, that safe space. So once a week, we sit down for what we like to call green chair time, uh, where we sit in our favorite two green chairs, and we have a series of questions that we ask each other to help open up and communicate. We talk about our wants, desires, fears, sins, shortcomings, and pitfalls. We also dig in and ask what went well the week before, building each other up, and how we can serve each other throughout the upcoming week. Uh, it's a safe space for us to air out anything that might start to, to develop into resentments uh, for either of us. It's kind of like gardening. Uh, you know, you don't weed once a year. You have to consistently pull up weeds. Um, and so this is just a way for us to do that consistently. On top of prioritizing and sinking our emotions during our chair time, we prioritize seeking the Lord, praying together daily, and finding moments through, uh, throughout the day where we can connect. 
when we put all of this in a place, uh, it makes things really difficult and uh, it's tough for selfishness to take root. Three, just recognizing our own faults. Um, I put the blame of so much of our marital struggles on David because it was a tangible sin. Um, there were pinpoint moments of sin that were easily defined. So cheating via apps or lying or concealing information. And those are moments that we can really specifically recall an action taking place that say A plus B led to C. But sin isn't so linear always. It's not always an off-on switch. My pride may not be a well-defined box, but it doesn't mean it isn't there or it isn't ugly or just as destructive. I had to learn to identify how my pride was appearing and then address that with God and David on a daily basis. On top of recognizing our faults and sin patterns, uh, there is the call to take action against them. Uh, so Matthew 5.30 says, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Uh, so my struggles tend to start with my phone. Uh, so my phone is very locked down. Uh, my smartphone's officially a dumb phone. Um, uh, yeah, I, I can't download apps without Kate uh, having to put in her password. Uh, I have uh, an embarrassingly long list of websites that I can't access, uh, and she can see anything I'm doing at any time. Um, but we're now open about uh, phone access with no hesitation. Uh, and it's a level of transparency and openness that has helped us to uh, build back trust in our marriage. Um, and now we get to advocate for each other, and Kate's my biggest advocate, so, uh, which is really sweet. So where are we at today? Today, I don't know that our marriage has ever been in a sweeter spot. Um, and almost every month I say that, like, it can't get any better than this, and it does. And um, I still have my issues with pride and codependency, uh, but I now seek God to understand when I'm about to escalate and how to take a step back and seek mutual understanding rather than just fighting to be right. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, we're, we're by no means perfect. Uh, after all, we are still two sinners married to each other, uh, and that results in conflict and trouble still. Um, however, with Christ in our relationship and as our Savior, our Redeemer, our Advocate, our relationship continues to grow in new and dynamic ways. And so just the other day, we were talking about how, uh, despite both of us gaining 30 pounds since college, uh, we're more attracted to each other uh, now than ever before, which was not uh, our story a couple years ago. So uh, we prioritize creating a safe space uh, where we can be vulnerable with each other. Uh, and this looks like us actively uh, and considerately addressing issues, thoughts, and emotions before they ever develop into resentments or bigger problems in our marriage. Um, and I can also honestly say that Kate's my best friend. Um, and I truly view her as a uh, teammate in life, uh, not a source of resentment anymore. So. We're still learning more and more about each other, despite being together for over a decade. We're intimate in a way that I never thought possible, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Most of the time, we can now laugh through our conflict, uh, which is such a strange and beautiful departure from slamming doors and throwing verbal punches at one another. Um, we now serve and merge Watermark's premarital ministry for engaged or dating couples. And when we tell our tables about how our marriage was and um, they can see some of the same early struggles within their relationships, they ask us, you know, how did you do it? Um, how do you have such a great marriage despite all of the struggles and infidelity? And people want to hear a silver bullet, but I mean, the only silver bullet is God. It is by his grace and transforming love that we are now free to share that love with others, including our spouse. If we could leave you with any advice as you go through re-engage, we would encourage you to do the following. 
Uh, number one, confess early. Pro- uh, Proverbs 28:13 says, "Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy." Um, I've learned a lot of things the hard way, uh, and confession is one of those. Uh, and when you confess, you're living in the light and putting your trust, control, and circumstances in God's hands and not your own. Um, he is much more capable uh, than you are. Um, Matthew 10, 29 through 31 says, uh, Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So for me, we see that God cares even about the mundane details of your life, like the hairs on your head. So um, just, I mean, how much more is he going to show you mercy and grace in the midst of confession? Uh, and then number two, don't miss this moment is kind of the, the way we would say it. Um, uh, I just remember walking in and re-engage and, you know, sometimes it's a blur, sometimes it's not for people, but um, this ties to point number one. Uh, you're in an incredibly unique season of life going through re-engage, um, and so this is the time to take ground. Um, a book I was recently reading painted the Christian life as one that increases in two things, yieldedness to God uh, and collaboration with God. Both point towards giving way to God and collaborating with his design for life on a daily basis. And third, just don't give up. Uh, No matter how dire the circumstances or how much those around you tell you you need to get out, Christ can redeem your marriage and it's truly, truly a beautiful sight to see. Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. God is in the midst of writing your story. Keep asking him for help and drawing the circle around yourself. Fix everything in that circle and watch what God can do. Thank you all for listening to our story.